Welcome to the Leadership Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Jono White. I'm the founder and principal consultant of Clarity. We are an Australian-based consultancy that works with leaders around the world, and our passion is to invest in people to become everything they're meant to be in order to fill the world with healthy organizations that people love to work for and customers line up to buy from. The goal of this podcast is to invest in you and your leadership. If you're just joining us for the first time, then feel free to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there. The most popular being our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from around the world in all different sectors give their in-depth answers on leadership, what books they love, what they found most challenging, uh, the most meaningful stories, how they how they structure their time through the day. That's free, so go and check it out. And we'd love to interview you about your leadership. I believe you have advice from your experience, your context, and your life so far that is important and can help other leaders. It's also a great way to give back. It's free to get involved, and you can do so by going to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest, or just Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form that pops up. We have a free resource for you on our website. It's called Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook. It has interviews with 10 world-class leaders, and you can go to consultclarity.org. It's right at the top and get that today. Uh, we also have a daily email that we send out to over 15,000 leaders, and that email contains the highlights, our best content from our podcasts, our blog, uh, my book, uh, the books that we're loving that are out there about leadership, it's also the best way to get access to our masterclasses and workshops before anyone else. And there's also exclusive and limited uh, special options just for subscribers. And you can subscribe by going to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe. Now, my gift to you is to work incredibly hard to provide the best leadership content I can to invest in you and your leadership. So if you're finding our content helpful, if you find this podcast helpful, then your gift to me uh, could be this. If you, if you do find it helpful, then write a review or rate our content and make sure you subscribe or follow. I can't emphasize enough how helpful that is. It really does help us to get the word out there so we can invest in more leaders to become everything they're meant to be. It also means a lot to me personally when people like you and people in our community share our content on social media. So if you do that, then please do look for me, Jono White, to tag me and look to tag Clarity uh, on whatever platform you're on. And our team, including me, I, I'm always looking to see when people have mentioned us so that I can engage with you. And also we look at sharing content. So if you, if you write something about something we've done, there's also a good chance we'll share that with our followers. So if you could do that, that is a massive, massive help as we try to invest in as many leaders as we can around the world. Last of all, you can check out my book about how to deal with difficult people even if you hate conflict. It's called Step Up or Step Out. It's available on Amazon. You can just look up Step Up or Step Out, John O'White, or you can go to store.consultclarity.org forward slash book and check it out there. I 
have coached leader after leader after leader. And in more than 50% of the sessions, this topic comes up. How do I deal with this person? I'm finding it really difficult. And, and I just want to find a way that doesn't blow up to do a really, just to have a difficult conversation, to lead them better. How do I do that? There's a three-step process that I outline in this book that I believe can help you. Okay, let's get into today's episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Today's guest is Commissioner Bill Holland. Uh, uh, Bill is the County Commissioner for Arapahoe County. Welcome to the podcast, Bill. Well, thank you. Thank you very much, uh, uh, Jono. I'm, I'm uh, honored to be asked to participate in your project. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, uh, to chatting with you, Bill. It's already been great just having a quick chat before we clicked record. Uh, first of all, can you just tell us a little bit about what you do? Well, a, a county commissioner, uh, we have five members in our county, and the number of county commissioners are reflective of the size of our, of our county. Uh, we represent uh, currently about 650,000 uh, residents within Arapahoe County. Our responsibility includes um, um, uh, essentially running our public, uh, uh, a pu- public welfare program, um, which is funded through both federal, state, and our local funding uh, to help individuals uh, who are ha- struggling um, with specific um, life- lifestyle problems, whether it's uh, drug addiction or um, uh, unemployment uh, or in mental health and medical medical issues, we we help them get them them and their families back on the feet. Um, we're facing in the county a significant problem with uh, with homelessness, uh, but that breaks both in terms of individual people, like you see in in many of the uh, uh, cities across the country, with the exception of Japan, um, which I recently visited. Um, to uh, whole families that are, are basically living, um, uh, not necessarily on the street, but without a home, without a permanent shelter. Um, and we help them um, through our uh, nutritional programs who are medical medical programs and, uh, and job development programs for the family to help mm. them get back on their feet and, and uh, uh, become productive members of our society. In addition, we are responsible for, um, we have our own county airport, which I serve on. I'm a a commercial pilot as well. And um, we, the the airport is a huge economic generator for uh, commercial, uh, non-commercial or general aviation travel, corporate travel. Uh, One of the the third largest and busiest uh, general aviation airports in the country. Uh, In addition, we... um, we're responsible for um, uh, the county roads infrastructure. There are over 6,000 counties in the United States, and mm. um, a majority of those roads uh, or those transportation uh, 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 ways are, are run, run and maintained by counties. Um, mm. We also uh, fund, as I said earlier, human services and uh, law enforcement. We are the funding agents for the the constables or the local sheriff's department. 
So we play a real a broad role in both the economic development uh, of uh, developing economic development opportunities for the county, as well as participating in, in a variety of boards and commissions that we serve on uh, those agencies which we provide funding for in the nonprofit realm. Yeah, that's a that's a wonderful summary. Thank you so much. That's helped me to understand. Uh more clearly from over here in Australia, exactly exactly what you do um, in uh, across uh, you know in a county in the US. So thank you for that. That's really helpful. Let's uh, let's hear some of your story, Bill. I always love asking these sort of questions. I know our listeners enjoy hearing the stories behind leaders like you who are who are doing great things in in your community. Let's start with your childhood. You know, growing up, what are some of the moments or even themes from that time of your life that really uh, as you look back, you can see that they shaped you into the person and the leader you are today. Well, thank you. I, I, I grew up in northern Minnesota in a small town that was literally on the Canadian border called International Falls, Minnesota. Uh, we were Our closest city was Fort Francis, Ontario. So I got an early uh, interest in, in, uh, in uh, uh, foreign affairs because we had a lot of mutual uh, interesting issues by crossing the border into another country and and observing the culture of that. Uh, I was very interested in aviation when I was a young boy. By At the age of 16, I was uh, I used to hang out at airports. And one day the, the airport manager came up to me and said, come on, come on in. Let me let me uh, show you the airport. So I got to sit in some airplanes and and sat down and he bought me a Coke and I, he said, well, what, Bill, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I want to learn to be a pilot. And in the, in the United States, you can start flying at age 16, but you can't get your, your pilot's license until you're 17. And he, and I said, well, I don't have the money. I just, you know, I don't have a job. He said, well, listen, I'll tell you what I'll do, Bill. I, I will get, I will, you come and work for me on the weekends and plow the runways and help wash planes and stuff. And for every hour that you work for me, I'll give you an hour of flying time. And by the time I turned 17, I had my pilot's license. So <laughs> it, that encouraged me to, to uh, be able to have a lot of self-confidence and in, in in, in finding tasks and, and going after them in a creative and uh, competitive manner. I was a member of the, 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 the Boy Scouts uh, where I worked, uh, where I learned a lot of the skills like international Boy Scouting is very similar to what Australia does and learning to be self-sufficient to help uh, you know, to cook your own meals, to go out in the wintertime and set up a tent when it's 10 below zero and survive. Uh, it taught me a lot of, a lot of interesting skills, um, as did uh, learning to be a, a pilot. Um, I, I got involved with an organization called Civil Air Patrol, which, which had a cadet program. And I got involved in that because of my interest in aviation. And as a result, took a, eventually took a leadership role where I became the the cadet commander of the group and ultimately received a, a national award for my leadership in the, in that program. Uh, I also played, in, I was also involved in sports, uh, played baseball and uh, uh, hockey, which was the sport of Northern Minnesota. And uh, we would play interesting um, uh, anecdote is that we, we were the only hockey team in the, in the United States that never started a game with the, uh, national anthem because we played all our games in Fort Francis, Ontario at their arena. So you can't, <laughs> unless you were playing a Canadian team, you couldn't play the <laughs> national anthem. 
So that was an interesting, interesting thing to learn. Uh, <laughs> one of my inspirations back then was uh, as a as a, a cadet, we had our uniforms and and when dignitaries came to town, we would escort them to the stage. And I had an opportunity to escort the former uh, vice president at, at the time he was a senator, Hubert Humphrey, to the stage. And um, uh, we had a few minutes before I walked him to the stage and he chatted and he said, well, what are you doing, Bill? You know, and uh, and Humphrey was known for his uh, affable attitude to, to his constituents and and loved to talk. And I told him I was on the debate team and I was we were debating a certain issue and uh, he was interested. He said, well, listen, give me your address and I'll have my staff send you some information on the subject that you were debating. So I received several weeks later, I received a letter from him and a packet of, of information from the Congressional Research Service. And with that letter, um, uh, whenever I was in a situation where the debate wasn't going very well, I'd pull the letter out and read it. You know, it was two bill from Senator Humphrey, and I didn't lose a debate after that. So that taught me that, that you know, being a good leader <laughs> and having influence um, uh, and respect from other, other people uh, really pays off in dividends. And that was an interesting lesson to learn. Later on, I, I, I served in the United States Army in Vietnam, and that clearly uh, showed uh, the importance of being a, being leader and, and courageous in a in in a wartime situation. I um, uh, I got involved uh, while I was over there as well in the, some of the humanitarian efforts that we the, the that we provided to the Vietnamese people in providing food and clothing and, and school supplies to the children. So I heard of a. Uh, of a, a friend, I had a friend that worked down at Saigon, at the port there, and he said there was a ship coming in with, uh, from the uh, American Friends Service Committee, and um, it was filled with refugee supplies. So I went to my commander, and um, there was supposed to be an officer that was in charge of what we call the, the, uh, um, the, uh, 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 Hearts and Minds program, uh, and he refused to do it. So I asked the commander if I could take that role as a sergeant. And he said, sure. So I went and explained what was going on down at Saigon. And I got a letter from him authorizing me to go down and pick up the supplies from the United USAID office, uh, the United States Department of, uh, of um, um, Aid uh, uh, to uh, International Aid. And so I went down there and took three big trucks down there and uh, mm-hmm. went to this guy's office and Mr. Bomar was his name. And I had the letter and I went and I said, I understand what your warehouse is here. You have this, these supplies. And I'd like to fill some of these up and take them up to a village that we're supporting up and up north. And uh, he uh, literally laughed at me and said, we've already turned those supplies over to the Vietnamese government to administer in their handing. And then he kind of winked at me, which told me that they were, they ended up in the black market. So he threw it threw me out of the office. So I took my, uh, my team downstairs and right across the street from the uh, USAID office, which was one of the largest buildings in Saigon, was a little shack that had the word CARE on it, the UN um, uh, CARE agency. So I went in and talked to the, to the young American uh, guy that was running it and told him what was going on. And he, he told his, uh, his, his helper, he said, uh, 
went take these guys over to the warehouse and fill up their trucks. So we went, we went to the Warehouse of Care, which is an international agency uh, and uh, by the UN, and picked up all the supplies that we needed and brought them up to the village. And literally, the, in the next couple of weeks, we went out to the village and <laughs> distributed the clothes to wow. a lot of the kids who were literally naked and mm. the food and school supplies. And uh, that taught me a huge lesson about uh, being innovative in uh, in when you approach problems and don't let, don't let it know, get involved with, uh, with your, uh, <laughs> with your uh, goal. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's an amazing story. Um, something that popped into my head, which I'd love to ask you about uh, as a pilot, what have, what have you learned from being a pilot that applies to leadership? Well, it's, um, it's, it's a very important um, question because um, uh, when you're a pilot, you, you're required to maintain um, uh, a, you, you have a, a, a book of aviation, it's called the Airman's Information Manual, and it's about four, 400 pages long, and it covers every, ins, every possible action that you would take uh, to follow, fulfill the rules of the Federal Aviation Ministry, Administration. And you have to know those pretty well when you're flying because you're, you're a threat not only to yourself if you're not a competent pilot, but also to others. So I learned, to, learned from that that there are procedures that you have to follow and you have to, have to maintain them if you want to become, if you want to be a good pilot. And I uh, had got enough hours to become a commercial pilot and was able to fly in northern Minnesota uh, a lot of uh, a float plane with a lot of uh, fishermen up into, into Canadian waters. Uh, for them to uh, to to to, uh, to fish, so I learned I learned from that that um, you had to follow the rules, you had to keep good communication skills, and you had to uh, had to adhere to uh, a, a plethora of responsibilities in terms of operating the aircraft safely, uh, communicating with uh, the the controllers, and um, uh, making sure that your that your passengers are safe and and being um, being a good, uh, competent pilot to ensure that the, the flights are, are safely uh, operated. Yeah, that's that's something I've always been um, fascinated by the checklists of uh, pilots because I, I, I read a book, I can't remember what it's called. Um, it's, it's pretty recent, but it's about um, the importance of checklists in leadership. And one of the points they make is about, um, you know, the checklists that pilots use and, and also surgeons. Um, and basically, when it's when it's literally life or death, um, how much checklists? So this this might be a silly question, but <laughs> how I always wonder because leadership. One of the challenges is you can have great policies, but how do you how do you implement them and hold people accountable? What how does the airline aviation um, authority hold pilots accountable? How have they managed to keep the standards? And how do they keep the standards so high to make sure people are following through with what they need to do? Well, well there, there, there are two elements to that. The first element is that uh, you're, the, the, the early training that you have as a pilot has to be, it's very proceduralized and has to be uh, very intense. Uh, as you suggest, a checklist is absolutely essential. Uh, I use it every time I get in an airplane because if you miss a miss a procedure, overlook a procedure, you put the whole flight uh, of safety. And accidents occur when 
uh, one or two elements of that flight is either neglected uh, or ignored, um, uh, which which kind of goes into a into a kind of a death spiral of uh, of uh, uh, failures that uh, end up in a in, a, in an accident. Uh, I spent time. Uh, uh, I was hired by United Airlines. Spent some time as, as United Airlines as a as a marketeer, not as a pilot, but we developed training systems for the Air Force, and we were the first airlines to uh, to set up a training program. And that program was to train pilots for the at that time the largest uh, military aircraft in, uh, in in the U.S. arsenal, the C-5A uh, aircraft, the, the uh, Galaxy, and um, um, we set up a training program that it, that emphasized all that. And it was the first time a computer-based program was developed with uh, several iterative uh, training devices until you got into a, a simulator the way the airlines do it. And you have all those procedures down and you do, you do your check ride in the simulator. And the first time you get in the airplane is the, is the Air Force sign-off that you're a competent pilot. So it's the instilling these, these actions and, and uh, reactions to... Uh, those procedures that uh, help maintain the safe operation of, of the aircraft. Yeah, no, thank you. Um, thank you for explaining that. And that's, that's uh, amazing to hear that you were actually uh, part of, able to be part of some of that um, development, I, I think, around some of the training. That's incredible. Um, so I'm interested to know, Bill, as you reflect on your career so far, You've done many, many and varied things, um, not just in the current role you're in. So I, I want to ask you about any aha moments, you know, those moments where whether it was two years ago or uh, 20 years ago, they're ingrained in your memory because whether something went better than expected or, or really uh, worse than expected, there's something that happened, a story where it really taught you a lesson about leadership that you'll never forget and was very formative. Are there, are there any aha moments that come to mind for you? Yes, I can think of one specifically. As I mentioned earlier, my relationship with Senator Hubert Humphrey was was uh, uh, a cyclical one. When I was I was a, an aide to Senator Gary Hart, who was one of my mentors in leadership. I, I worked on his campaign and served as a staffer, both in Washington. And one of the tasks I had, because of my background in the military, I did a lot of work for the uh, for the Armed Services Committee for maintaining, uh, uh, emphasizing training, and also for veterans in their in their uh, focusing on employment, and also had written some legislation that that really um, uh, changed the entire adjudicative process of the VA to provide um, uh, court review of the decisions. Uh, to determine the eligibility of, uh, of service-connected disabilities for veterans. And one day I was on the floor with my boss, uh, Gary Hart, who was a young 34-year-old senator from Colorado and uh, eventually became a presidential candidate. But um, he was reading uh, an amendment that I had written um, to the uh, Jimmy Carter, um, uh, President Jimmy Carter's um, uh, public... Um, uh, public construction bill, uh, as you recall, during the that was during a very recessionary time, and this was to provide federal funds for to states to uh, uh, and federal agencies 
to increase their construction of government buildings. And um, multi, it was a multi-million dollar, billion dollar bill. And one of the things that was lacking in the bill that I determined was the fact that there was, because of the high unemployment rate amongst Vietnam veterans, they were not given opportunities to, to get some of those jobs. So we wrote an amendment that would, that would uh, require special consideration for veterans, particularly disabled veterans, uh, to uh, uh, get a little leg up in these millions of jobs that would be made available. Well, as the senator was reading his uh, his uh, statement, nervously reading his statement, Hubert Humphrey, who at that time had come back as a senator after his uh, his stint as vice president, and of course was dying of cancer, he he had his he walked on the floor. He had his little uh, IV bottle with him, and he was he was uh, very very sick. And he got on the floor of the Senate, and he heard two things from the senator jobs and veterans. So he went to his, uh, his, his desk and asked the president of the Senate, can would the young uh, senator from Colorado relinquish some time for this, uh, for Senator Humphrey to speak? And of course, Gary said, absolutely. And so he, he got the microphone and you're normally, a senator is normally given three minutes to speak. And he, and, and Gary had spoken for about two minutes. So he would give up a minute to the to the senator from Minnesota, former vice president. And he, of course, went on for 20 minutes espousing the, the, the concept of what we were, he was, what the young senator from Colorado was presenting. And it, um, um, it uh, at the end of it, he called for unanimous consent, which is a procedure by which the amendment is voted on right away, as long as the leadership of, the, of both parties agree and it passed. Uh, my point being is that um, that he um, he underwent a, a tremendous amount of change from his pro-war period when I had first uh, addressed him after I'd gotten back from Vietnam and Minnesota to a supportive position of taking care of those who fought. Uh, so that taught me the lesson of, of being tenacious on issues, uh, but also to uh, to have the learn the abil- have the ability to uh, to change your mind if the if the situations warrant it, and that mm. was a really important lesson for me to learn in leadership. Yeah, what a wonderful story! Thank you so much for for sharing that, Bill. Um, that's a that's a great uh, a great aha moment, and uh, actually, I, I feel like maybe uh, what what we can do is invite you back for another um, episode down the track because I, I really I feel like there's probably about um, fifty more stories you could share. Um, but I, I have a bunch of leadership express questions that I want to ask you now, which I, I always enjoy because it brings out some really interesting, um, answers. So are you ready? Absolutely. So the first question is what's a book that you've gifted to other people? Well, it's a, it's an older book. Um, but it, to me, it was the, uh, it was the one that really encapsulated our, our foreign policy failures during the Vietnam War. And the book is called A Bright Shining Lie by Neil Sheehan, who was a reporter during the Vietnam War. In fact, one of the individual New York Times reporters that uncovered the My Lai Massacre, which was a very crucial uh, point in, uh, in uh, uh, changing the uh, political uh, landscape 
uh, in the United States toward the war. Uh, he tells the story of a, of a fellow by the name of uh, Van, John Van, who was a, an infantry uh, leader who spent a tremendous amount of time in, in the Vietnam uh, War, not only as as active active army person, but eventually going into uh, into uh, uh, the CIA and USAID as a leader to develop policy for the war, and it tells the story of his uh, of his gung ho aspect of it initially, and then how he how he was able to change his uh, opinion about the uh, the failed policies of uh, the war, and became a positive influence in in changing U.S. policy. Unfortunately, he he was killed while he was a civilian in a in a helicopter accident in Vietnam. But it's a very insightful presentation of uh, how how policy can mm. change, how people can change their minds uh, when confronted with uh, with uh, more accurate uh, facts uh, on a situ about a situation or a decision. Yeah, that's um, that's a great recommendation. Thank you for sharing that. I, I'm really interested to uh, to check that out. Actually, it sounds like a great read, um, a really insightful read. So, uh, next question: What is a recent leadership lesson that you've learned for the first time or been reminded of? Um, I I think um, uh, this relates to. Um, uh, listening, listening to people, um, you know, we tend to be in in uh, in our lives um, having a certain mindset about things. But one thing that I learned recently is uh, listening, listening to to elders, listening to older people, who um, who who have a wealth of wisdom. Um, one of the more recent incident was a was an older. Uh, gentleman of, uh, who was a survivor of the uh, Iwo Jima uh, battle during World War II. And he had the, um, served the blunt of the, of the attack and had to clean up the mess after the island was, was secured, uh, dealing with, with uh, taking care of the wounded and soldiers and, and burying those that were, had been killed. And um, he um, would would talk about that, but he but he would say that um, he didn't allow that um, incident that that war to influence him to a point where he where it became a burden. He became a successful um, uh, engineer in the oil industry, became very, very successful there and was able to, uh, to overcome a lot of the ad adversity of one of the most tragic battles uh, in the Pacific during World War II. Uh, and that, and that, that uh, was very insightful in that it showed me that uh, that whole issue of maintaining your compassion uh, about life uh, in spite of what, what, um, what what happens to you in, in, throughout your life uh, in those moments that, that have had a, a significant uh, psychologically and physiologically physiologically impact on your uh, on your life that a lot of people would just take and uh, and 
it would become a burden rather than a, bl a blessing mm. in the sense that you're able to learn from those experiences. So I thought that was that was pretty important uh, to understand. Yeah. No, absolutely. That's um, yeah, that's a that's a, a wonderful uh, story. But also, I think it's really challenging to do that. So I can I, I understand why you admired um, hearing hearing that. Um, next question for you. Uh, do you have any favorite questions you like to ask, Bill, where you're you're sitting one on one with someone or you're with a team or you're sitting with a stakeholder from the community? Are there any favorite questions that you like to ask? Well, what, I, I think you touched on it earlier, and and um, um, and, and the, the the lesson that I like to or I like to elicit from people is um, uh, how do how do you uh, reach a conclusion on your position, and what uh, uh, what was the foundation of the discussions and conclusions, and then what what what's relevant to, uh, to making you ch change your mind. I mean, I think society today, we're in such a, we put blinders on so, and they're so thick that you're not able to look left or right. And I think it's important to understand that, you know, we all don't have the, 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 the complete and full answer that we have to listen and we have to, uh, uh, uh get people to think, through um, how they came to a conclusion on an issue and then what influenced them to change their mind. Because we all have to change our mind at some point. And I think it's important because we, ca we can't go forward without compromise. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I agree. Um, so next question for you. What's a great piece of advice you've received in leadership in in life where someone gave you a piece of advice that's really stuck with you bill well i think what i worked for for a congressman his name is ed perlmutter and he's decided after i think four or five terms in the in the house of representatives that he's going to retire and um, he works very hard but what he what he told me and he gave me a, a list of rules to follow when I took, when I initially took this, this job, which was my first elected position. Um, and, and that was never assume. Um, and I think that's a very, very important lesson for all of us to, to, uh, to take heart with because making assumptions prematurely, um, or based upon whatever mechanism one uses to, to achieve uh, achieve a decision. Um, there's always uh, room to uh, to uh, move to the left or right of that decision, depending upon uh, circumstances that change. Well, after that decision or that assumption is made. Yeah, ab absolutely. That's uh, that's great advice. Um, what about um, any tips, Bill, about how to find and keep great talent? Well, I think um, I, I think it's it's a it's a it's a unique process that I use, and that is number one, you're looking at the qualifications um, initially because that gets you that titillates you a little bit to, to here's here's someone that 
that may be um, may be helpful. Uh, but uh, what I learned in terms of getting good people is uh, it's not necessarily what they have uh, on paper, what degrees they have or what kind of grades they got in school. It's um, uh, finding people that have the ability to, to, to have to be critical thinkers, to be able to weigh appropriately um, their their their, their um, intellectual uh, process of of thinking, um, and um, uh, I f and and then to be as a leader, be supportive of that, allow people to uh, to to uh, expand their horizons. Allow them to, uh, to to ask appropriate questions and not be tied to a specific ideology or or um, systemic um, procedure, because innovation does not occur when we all mm. put blinders on and walk down the and walk down the assumption goal. Yeah. I do a lot of work with aerospace firms in the county, and and uh, large corporations have that tendency that they. That they they don't look beyond the department that they're working with, they put blinders on and they don't listen to to anybody on the left or right, and that's a huge mistake, because that's where innovation occurs, when you when somebody comes up with a different approach or different ideas, and I try mm. to instill in my staff to uh, to have that uh, maintain that ability, and not uh, not yeah. not do it uh, either by an assumption or or be uh, be tied to a, uh, a specific methodology of, of uh, finding ways to innovate. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what about any movies or TV shows? This doesn't have to be serious, but it, it can be something really profound or it can be something lighthearted that you just love, uh, you know, as a, to switch off to as a movie or a TV show. Do you, do you have any favorites that have um, had an influence on you? Well, one of my... One of my favorites is, 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 is an old movie um, called Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. And that kind of addresses some of the things that I've been talking about, that, that um, you know, you have to be tenacious if you believe in something strongly. And I think that, that, that reflects uh, uh, the old um, uh, B-25 pilot uh, who was an actor, then turned pilot, and then became, came back to acting. Mm. Uh, I think he... Uh, he exemplified not only in his personal life uh, the, the the importance of public service, but but in terms of how he how he how he selected the kinds of films that he um, that he went after. Uh, um. Yeah, yeah, I, I, that's a, that's a great recommendation. I'll have to I'll have to check that out. I haven't actually seen that. Um, last question, Bill. This has been um, so much fun getting getting to hear some of your stories and, and, uh, and great wisdom. Um, if you could only give one piece of leadership advice to a young leader, what would you say? I would say, um, be patient and tenacious. Uh, mm. I think those are the two things that, that, um, uh, I think exemplifies good leadership, and you go back to you go back to some of the great leaders uh, in World War mm. II and and throughout our history. Yeah. Um, sometimes you have to wait. Um, mm. 
for the appropriate time to, to take action. And I think that's important. And I think those, those that, uh, that, that adhere to those kinds of tenets um, will find significant rewards in the end. Yeah, that's wonderful, Bill. Uh, well, for those who've just really enjoyed hearing some of your stories and, and, and understanding how you lead and maybe they're interested in finding more, uh, finding out more about uh, Arapahoe County, um, where can people find out about, about the county uh, online, Bill? Um, you can go to um, uh, arapahocountygov.com. Uh, and my personal website is uh, bholand at Arapahoe County, and I'll spell it A-R-A-P-A-H-O-E-G-O-V.com. Wonderful. Or they can just go on, on uh, the website is just Arapahoe County, Colorado. Wonderful. Well, I want to thank our listeners for tuning in. This has been a real joy. I've, I've really enjoyed this episode. And uh, for our listeners, don't forget, I also have the John O'White Leadership Podcast and the Leadership Question of the Day Podcast, uh, two other places you can go to invest in your leadership. But I want to finish today by saying a massive thank you to Bill for being so generous with your time, for sharing um, incredible stories uh, from uh, yeah, from, from your life and leadership that, that um, pretty mind blowing actually, in, in terms of the different, um, the different spheres and, and people that have, that have come up and the opportunities you've had and the lessons you've learned, which are, which are so appropriate for 2022, which is what I love. Um, so thank you so much, Bill. I, I've just had a great time. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Well, thank you very much, uh, Jono and give my best to your staff. You've got a great staff and and I've got a, with Luke and our staff, he, he, he does great work in preparing, helping me prepare for these, uh, these interviews. And I, I, I really admire your, your mission and your thoughtfulness and your tenacious approach to life. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast as much as I did. If you're joining us for the first time, don't forget to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there, including our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from all over the world in all different roles, in different industries, answer these seven questions on leadership and leaders give these in-depth answers around how they spend their time, uh, a book that's been significant for them. It's just a gold mine. It's completely free to access. So go to consultclarity.org and look for that. We'd also love to interview you about your leadership. I believe your experience, your life, your context means that you have advice on leadership that other leaders can learn from. Yes, you, if you're going, not me. Well, no, I really believe you would have something to add. So if you're looking for a way to give back, it's completely free to get involved. And we would love to interview you through the seven questions on leadership. You just go to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest or Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form and get involved. We have a free resource on our website called the Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook, 10 world-class leaders giving their thoughts on leadership, and that's completely free. It's available on our homepage, consultclarity.org, right at the top. So make sure you go and get that and download it today. 
And we have a free daily email that you can subscribe to. We send this out to over 15,000 leaders from around the world. And uh, it contains the highlights of content from our podcasts, our blogs, um, our books, books we're reading. It's got the best content and it gives you exclusive, limited, early access to our masterclasses, workshops, new products, special offers. It's all for our subscribers. You can go to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe and join 15,000 other leaders. And you know, my gift to you is to work really hard, particularly through the Leadership Conversations podcast. I have been blown away by the quality of the leaders and I'm learning as much as anyone in doing these interviews. So I'm having a great time. And my gift to you is to keep lining up the best leaders I can to invest in your leadership. Your gift to me, if you're finding this helpful, there is something that you could do that would help us out massively. And that is to write a review and to leave a rating for our podcast or wherever you're watching or listening to this. I can't tell you how much that helps us out. Also subscribe or follow. It really does make a difference in helping us to help more leaders become everything they're meant to be. Another thing that means a lot to me personally is when I see our community share our content. So if you do share this or any other piece of content on social media, then thank you and and please do that. And look for me, John O'White, or clarity and tag us in your post. Our team is always looking for posts to engage with from our community. And there's also a chance that we'll share your content uh, to go beyond and share it with our followers. Last of all, you can check out my book. It's called Step Up or Step Out, How to Deal with Difficult People Even If You Hate Conflict. I wrote this book because 50% of the coaching sessions I have with leaders, this topic comes up again and again and again. And it's this idea of how do I have this difficult conversation? How do I lead this person better when I'm finding them difficult? Or in some cases you look and you say, I think I might be leading a difficult person. They're just quite difficult to lead or I'm finding them quite difficult to lead. So there's a three-step process that I unpack in step up or step out. And the amazing thing, and I've literally done this myself, and I've heard it anecdotally from other leaders as I've coached them, is that if you follow this process, you will see that person step up and change their behavior or make a decision, which is to step out some of the time. Uh, 95% of the time, people will step up or step out in just four weeks. And I stand by that. It's uh, You have to read the book to understand, but uh, I really do believe in it, and I've experienced it firsthand. It works. So you can go to Amazon, look up Step Up or Step Out John O. White or store.consultclarity.org forward slash book. Well, thank you so much for listening. We're going to be back with a new episode next time of the Leadership Conversations podcast. And I hope today has helped you to take another step towards becoming the leader you're meant to be. See you next time.